I'm Nathan. And I'm Tessa. And we're from Minnesota. We've been married for almost four years. And we're expecting our first baby. And we, we love, love practicing, practicing the art of spousing. Hello and welcome to the Art of Spousing podcast. We're really thankful you're taking the time to listen to this episode. Thank you, Nathan and Tessa, for kicking off the show today. We love you guys and really we're so excited for this new chapter of married life being first-time parents. I love this idea that we can get to feature some of the amazing couples we know and their marriage work of art. We'll also post their videos on Instagram and Facebook at Art of Spousing, so you'll want to check that out there. We like to invite you to be a part of the show. You can send us your marriage story in a short selfie style video on Instagram at Art Espousing. All you need to do is introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, how many years you've been married, and then share that you love practicing the Art Espousing. That's right. We love it. We also love the feedback that we're receiving from the podcast. Your feedback is going to help us know how to continually offer content that will help you in your relationship. The reason we are doing this podcast is because we really believe that every marriage has the potential to be a masterpiece, revealing this unique God-designed purpose. So our goal with every episode is to give you tools to practice in your marriage that will help you in your relationship, not just survive, but to really thrive. In our previous episode, we shared that over our 29 years of marriage, we have learned that there are three areas that consistently cause difficulty in marriage relationships. We refer to them as the big three C's, communication, conflict, and crisis. Sometimes I say challenge instead of crisis because challenge feels a little less dramatic. But there are crises and there are challenges. That's right. So you see these showing up in really every season of marriage. So we're excited about unpacking these. Exactly. So we're taking some time over the next few episodes to give some tools to navigate around each of these areas. If you haven't listened to the last episode on communication, we encourage you to do that. We've received some feedback on the five gears and how helpful it is been in your communication. So if you didn't listen, you totally want to check that out. I also, in that episode, was going to share about our conflict over the toilet seat during the first few months of our marriage. Since last episode was communication, this one's conflict, and it definitely laid a foundation. Yeah, you didn't give the answer to that. I know. We had everyone sitting on the edge of their toilet seat. It was funny the first time. (laughs) So as we start this conversation around conflict, I will give you the answer right after this. Are you looking for that one thing that will be the game changer for your marriage? We believe that all of us desire a marriage marked by deep connection, abundance, unity, and passion. But at times, it can feel like our relationship is stuck in the routine of the mundane. Intimacy can get crowded out by the pace and demands of everyday life. It's not uncommon to feel trapped by one's circumstances. Can you relate? If you want a greater connection with your spouse, if you are tired of feeling stuck in the same old, same old, if you desire to feel the thrill of fun and discovery again, like you did when you first met, we can help. We support couples to reconnect, recharge, and re-engage to pursue their life purpose together. We offer the Marriage Reboot Retreat by Married for a Purpose. This is a private, two-day intensive experience for you and your spouse to work exclusively with Lisa and I for two consecutive full days to identify where you've been, define where you currently are, and discover where you want to go together. The Reboot Retreat is designed for a wide variety of marriages. Whether you're in crisis, a struggling marriage who needs a unified vision, or you just want to go from good to great or maybe somewhere in between. If you would like to find out more about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, you can set up a discovery call with myself and James and we can tell you all about it. The link is in the show 
notes, or you can direct message us on Instagram or Facebook at Art Espousing, and we will send you a link to schedule a discovery call. So to wipe it up, I mean to (laughs) wrap it up, the toilet conversation. I think I'll start leaving the bad dad jokes to you. Yeah, you probably forward. should. Okay. So the first week after getting home from our honeymoon, we began our life living together. That season of our marriage was, to me, some of the best memories of fun, just fun learning how to live together and function in the same place as newlyweds. That's right. So the toilet debacle all started when I had to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and got what I like to call a butt baptism. Lisa. The lid was up and my bottom went all the way in. (laughs) I can't really remember, but I think I may have screamed, which caused a lot of ruckus in the house. James, you felt like it was my responsibility to put the lid down because I could clearly see it was up. Right. I am confident it was your responsibility after you wrap up all your business that you put the seat down. Right. And I quickly learned that Lisa, you were right. Everyone heard it right here. That's right. (laughs) A tool I like to use, and this is bonus material, is how do you handle a conflict like this? There are three words that have served me well in a conflict conversation in our marriage relationship, especially when the issue is much bigger than a toilet seat. And these are the three words, problem, position, interest. The problem is the conflict around the toilet lid right? and me screaming at night and the butt baptism, all that business. The position is, James, your position on the problem is that I should put the lid down before I sit down. Right. My position is that you, mister, should put the lid down. Right. Now, the interest is, is our mutual interest. We both want to live at peace. We both want to prefer each other. And we don't want our marriage divided over a toilet lid. Right. So when we approach a conflict around the problem or our individual position, we will not make headway toward unity or a peaceable resolve. That's right. We have to focus on the mutual interest. And to that, we come to the solution that you were gracious and you said... I was wrong. Oh, well, or that you were going to put the toilet lid down. And you have successfully done that for 29 years. Thank you very much. So we found this tool to be helpful. And I believe we first learned this concept through Ken Sand's book, Peacemaker. So I'm going to put the link to that book in the show notes. It's a great book that everybody I pick up. Right. This we know to be true. One common ingredient in every relationship, regardless of how good the relationship is, is conflict. But here's the deal. Conflict is not the absence of unity. Conflict is actually the opportunity for unity. Healthy marriages, and by healthy, we mean emotionally, spiritually, and even physically, are not marriages where there's no conflict. Healthy marriages are marriages where couples have committed to work through those turbulent times that are going to happen. When we were a lot younger, when we were living in Ohio, uh, we had the opportunity to take part in a medical study as guinea pigs. We were poor and didn't have a lot of money. We weren't poor, but we, we were always we looking a for ways. Extra resource. Yeah. We were always looking for ways to make money. I guess it was our first side gig uh, before <laughs> everybody started doing side gigs. But we saw this newspaper ad about being part of a study at the Ohio State University. And so we took the advantage to do it because we were both going to make a thousand dollars a piece. All we had to do was stay the night at the Ohio State University. When we got there, we realized what they were going to do was actually put wounds all over our body. So they put these six blisters on each one of our ribs 
wrists. So they the, wrapped this like plastic thing that had six holes in it, yeah. strapped it to our arms, and then just sucked the life out of our arms until it raised blisters. Right. So we had six blisters, and then they did a punch biopsy where they took a chunk of meat out of the back of our arms. And then throughout the night, they observed us, and they would bring us in to do questioning. And then for six weeks after that, we would go and make an appointment with the doctor, and they would ask us questions about our relationship. At the time, we really didn't know what the purpose of the study was, but several years later, I was actually reading an article and came across this research and the discovery about healing and conflict in marriage. And we're like, hey, we're in a study. We were in there. We we're published. So it was actually, you know, not a big deal to anybody else. But for us, it was like kind of cool to be a part of it. So what the study found was that the stress a typical married couple feels during an ordinary half hour argument is enough to slow their body's ability to heal from a wound by at least one day. So just a 30 minute argument can slow down the body's ability to heal. And went on to say that if a couple's relationship is routinely hostile towards each other, the delay in that healing process can even double. So getting some tools around managing conflict in your marriage is really important. And beneficial to your health. Beneficial to your health. Lisa, I thought I'd throw this idea out to you, this thought out to you, and love to hear some of your thoughts around it, is that it's been said that the root of all conflict is unmet expectations. What do you think about that? Yeah, unrealistic expectations always lead to disappointment. Each spouse brings in something very specific into their marriage, something that is destructive to a healthy marriage. It's called sin. Yeah, that's so true. Yes, it's selfishness. I come in with unstated expectations of you, same view to me based on just our upbringing and just our nature of sinfulness. Yeah, when you think about it, a marriage is really made up of two imperfect people. Mm -hmm. You and your spouse are living your marriage relationship in a fallen and broken world. And this is even more important to understand is that your spouse is a sinner and they're married to a sinner and that's you. It's very hard for me to handle, but it is actually true. We see in the Bible in James 4, 1, it says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as the fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Mm. Wherever you go, there you there are. you are. That's right. Yeah. You can experience a two-year-old and know how naughty and selfish they are, is actually just hardwired in them. That's no right. one is teaching us this stuff. It just comes naturally. As we grow up, our selfishness matures. Our ego covers it up a little bit. And in my experience, I have found that we have a lot of nonverbal expressed expectations that really lie under the surface and cause a lot of conflict. That's such a good point. Wouldn't you agree that early in our marriage, we have conflict that was the result simply of a lack of self-awareness, especially on my part, I would say. Well, I, I believe we came in with it equally and expressed in different ways, just right. to be honest. Yeah. But it, it really rooted down to a lack of self-awareness. You know, one of my favorite tools to teach the power of self-awareness is this tool called the Know Yourself, Lead Yourself tool, which says that each of us have tendencies and our tendencies really are the result of one, nature. They're the things that are hardwired into us at birth. And when you just talked about the two-year-old, they didn't learn how to be naughty. It's just there, right? right? And then the second piece is nurture. It's the environments and the experiences that we were raised with. So your experiences and environment is going to be completely different than mine. But those two things, nature and nurture, begin to define these tendencies in our lives. And these tendencies actually shape our actions. Our actions 
are going to have consequences, either positive or negative. When we understand that these consequences actually become the reality of how we live out our life, and more importantly, how people, including most significantly, our spouse experiences us. Right. Well, when we understand that we are imperfect people, right. the underlying tendency that we have to deal with is actually selfishness. And sin at its core, like you said, is selfishness or self-centeredness. So our tendencies can express themselves in a lot of different ways. But when we understand our tendencies, we can begin to change our actions, right? Right. And really change the experience. When I understand that, I can change your experience of interacting with me and vice versa, no matter what kind of conflict arises, whether it's a toilet lid or other things that come up in life. Right. Now, I'm sure we'll get into this at some point with Art of Spousing, but this is where tools like the Enneagram have helped me grow in self-awareness. I've learned as an Enneagram 2, which is the helper, my superpower is sensing and anticipating the needs of others really well. So I can feel it when I walk into a room, I can feel maybe and anticipate what someone needs. It may be a drink, whatever it is. But my kryptonite is the shadow side of that. It's true. I'm admitting it. I'm sensitive. (laughs) My sensitivity is beautiful and helpful when in check. However, it can really cause some conflict if I don't manage it and I'm not aware about the tendencies I have around it. This is how it can go bad quickly as it pertains to our marriage relationship. If I'm not doing my part to manage the sensitivity and you impact me the wrong way over anything and I don't do my part to own it, you may say something like, you're being sensitive. And then Lisa would say, oh, H-E double hockey sticks. No, you didn't just say that. Now, if I would I don't know what people think when they hear you say stuff like that. I don't know, but we'll find out. Hopefully it won't be bad. I know. This is real though. So now if I would have let you know, and this is me being aware. Right. James, I'm feeling a little bit sensitive today, possibly a little crunchy. Right. Just keeping you in the loop. That's me owning it. And you now know I'm owning it myself. You don't have to tell me I'm sensitive. You don't have to make statements like that. You will be a little bit more cautious and probably give me a little bit more space. And I also would do the same. I would manage my reaction to you. If you said something to me, I may be a little bit more quiet, but you know, I'm not being passive aggressive. I'm actually trying to manage my sensitivity. So my self-awareness around my sensitivity is proactive in de-escalating yeah. a potential stress point as we navigate through the toilet lids of life throughout <laughs> That's a day. That's true. So yeah, when we, we grow in our self-awareness, I said that you know our tendencies are nature, hardwired, nurture, experiences, environments. But when we start understanding that, there's a third piece that actually lends itself to the way we behave with one another, and that's choice. We can make the choice to act intentionally instead of accidentally. And then we can shape the consequences, which in turn changes the way that our spouse will experience us. I love it. A popular statement around marriage is that every healthy marriage is made up of two really good forgivers. And it's so true. Remember, your spouse isn't perfect and neither are you. Right. So there are going to be small offenses that happen often when you live with someone 24-7, 365 days a year. That's right. But not every small offense needs to be addressed. Right. I could be offended because you don't fold the towels the way I want you to, or you don't load them in the basket the way I want them to be loaded right. in. Right, which I probably never do. 
you you actually don't, but I'm very happy that you're helping me with folding the towels. These aren't offenses, but these are more preferences. That's right. Making sure that you don't have to address every preference and every offense. However, if you say something hurtful to me or disregard my feelings about something, then I do need to address it so that I can keep a short list. I love keeping a short list so I'm not piling on and gunny sacking a lot of things and then just going to hit you in the head with it when you break the one straw that breaks the camel's back and then you're going, where is this coming from? Yeah, one of the things we always teach is that small unresolved offenses stack up and they can build large fences in the marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great distinction. Some things are preferences, but in a healthy marriage, it's important to deal with hurts and real offenses because if you don't, they will stack up and they're going to cause a barrier in your communication. They're going to cause a barrier in your intimacy. So it's important that you deal with those things. And here's the deal. The enemy, Satan, wants there to be division in your marriage. The Bible says that he's a robber, he's a killer, and a destroyer. So he will use unresolved offenses to separate you. He's going to use them to rob you of your joy in your relationship. And he wants to destroy your marriage. So Satan wants you to make your spouse your enemy. In Ephesians 6.12, it tells us that Satan is a real enemy. So here's the deal. Don't go shooting your ally. Your your husband, your wife is your ally and not the enemy. And so we need to make sure that we're not taking a situation and making it more than the situation and personalizing it that becomes, the person becomes our enemy. That's right. And it's that is a great mindset to have because it'll help frame every single conversation, any conflict, small to great, right. about small offenses that build large fences. The truth is those start and their slow roll. So it's true. I think it's important because a marriage is made up of two great forgivers. Right. I have found the art of the apology is not, it needs to be understood. There's a science and an art to it. So I wanted to give a few tips on how to give a great apology and then to accept a great apology. First, you have to admit that you're wrong. Right. And articulate the impact. Right. So last episode, I talked about how I had impacted you with how I was talking to you. So I would actually unpack how that may have made you feel insignificant or belittling you. Then I would just straight up ask for your forgiveness. Right. I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm apologizing. I'm saying, James, will you forgive me? That's good. And I want to hear back from you. Yes, I do forgive you because we want to make sure we sealed the deal and the forgiveness. If you come back to me and say, it's okay, it's okay, that's unacceptable. Right. No, I want you to forgive me because I'm admitting that I'm wrong because you don't want to dredge that back up. So the spouse should have the freedom to expound at this point. You could have expounded a little bit more how that made you feel, but I want to give you space for that. And then again, you say, I do forgive you. So you admit you're wrong. You ask for forgiveness. You alter your behavior. That's good. I feel this is where things can get really sideways. If you do not alter your behavior... The apology is kind of worthless. It's worthless because you keep apologizing about it, but you're never changing. That's good. If our behavior doesn't alter, it feels like manipulation or you're just doing lip service so you can move on and not talk about it and skirt the conflict, which will build large fences, which won't go away and only get worse. So make sure that you actually alter your behavior. Again, back to my last episode, in the moment that I admitted I was wrong, I asked for forgiveness. I told you my plan. Mm -hmm. I have a plan of how I'm not going to do this anymore. That was three months ago. And I think you're doing pretty good, Lisa. Thank you. I'm very excited. And I'm managing myself. You're not supposed to manage me. I'm a grown woman. I can manage myself. And then allow for time. Right. You're going to give me space to maybe mess up, but I may stop in the moment and go, oh, I forgot my plan. (laughs) 
Right. I'm altering, help me out of the corner. And you always, we have that language too. If I like, right. help me back myself out of a corner, that means I need a do over and That's I'm going to go at it again. That's right. Yeah. So you have to give your spouse some space and time and grace the change. The truth of the matter is their tendencies are still there but they need time to build new habits for new behavior. So it's important that you work with your spouse on how you'll handle conflict in times you're not already dealing with conflict. And one of the ways that you and I do this is that we've set some ground rules Mm -hmm. ahead of time that we know how we're going to behave in times of conflict. If you don't know the rules of the game, there's a really good chance uh, you'll end up breaking them without even knowing it. Exactly. Every couple is unique and the ground rules are going to be unique to the couple. That's right. We actually play this particular card game That's called right. Hand and Foot. Right. We play it with your mom and dad. We play it with our friends, Pastor Todd and Julie. Right. And in those houses, the rules for Hand and Foot are different. Right. So when we sit down to the table, we're like, before we start this yeah, game, what's the rules? What's the house rules? And whoever's house we're in, those rules work. So regardless of the ground rules, they're extremely important to your relationship. That's right. For example, one of our ground rules is we take Ephesians 427 very seriously and we do not go to bed angry. In 29 years, I can pretty much say we have not. It's been very few times, but we may table an argument till the next day because rest assured, it's still going to be there. There may have been a few times that we've stayed awake for four straight days, though. Again, I'm going to leave the bad dad jokes (laughs) to you. That's fine. That's fine. Another one of our ground rules is we do not criticize or talk about each other negatively in front of other people. That's right. Uh, We don't let our drama become someone else's drama. So someone may think that we're faking it. No, we're faithing it. That's right. We are having faith in one another that we're going to work that out, but we're not going to dredge everyone into our drama and make them feel awkward with us. Couples, please don't do that to all of us. So here are a few more ground rules that you might adopt. These are from Craig and Amy Grishel's book, From This Day Forward. Some of the rules are never call names and never raise your voice. Never get historical. Or hysterical, <laughs> Lisa. Right. I like that. Never use never or always because superlatives do not work. Correct. And then never threaten to leave or divorce. That should always be like out of the bounds, foul, yellow flag, yes. bad. No, no, boy, no. Grace is so important in a marriage relationship. Giving your spouse an easy way to back themselves out of a corner is great language that allows them to keep unity in the relationship knowing you need a mulligan. We want to leave you with two tools that you can use to lovingly approach your spouse when you need to deal with an offense. This is our go-to tool that we share all the time, and it's worthy of hearing no matter how many times you've heard it, because we need to hear it often too. And it is the two words, impact and intent. So my Southern accent, intent is I-N-T-E-N-T. Intent. Intent and impact is I-M-P-A-C-T. That's right. So let me unpack that. Hypothetically, this isn't what really happened, but the day after you got your butt baptism, I could have said something like, Lisa, I am so sorry that impacted you that way. My intent was to give you a bidet, but I can see that didn't work too well. Right. I appreciate your attempt on the impact and intent. So you didn't mean to impact me that you were being selfish right. and non-considerate. I was actually trying to serve you. Of my new bride. Right. But you were thinking that apparatus, which I'm not sure if I can say it right, because my Southern self no, will totally mess it. it up. But that was I was just being teasing. But yes. really what that would mean is that if I said something to you, yes. I could say, Lisa, I'm sorry. I can see why I just said impacted you differently than what I intended. If I could have that back, let me say that to you again. Right. Or you could turn it the other way as like, 
hey, I, I know your heart and I know that what you just said to me, you didn't intend it for it to impact me the way it impacted me, but it did impact me this way. And if you were to say that to me, I'd say, oh, you're right. That is That was not my intent. It came out the wrong way. I wasn't thinking. And it gives me an opportunity again to back myself out of the corner. It's a powerful tool that we use very often, not just in our marriage, but in relationships with other people as right. well. So basically the opposite way you're talking about using it, if I was offended or if you were offended, we can still use it that way right. of going, I, be- I appreciate that you would never intend to do it, but it did impact me this way. Right. So either way, whether you're asking for forgiveness or you need to broach a conversation that your spouse has offended you and you need to be able to speak to that, then they actually know. Yeah. I'm trying to do this correctly. Right. Another tool that you can use is the snicker bar. So we use this at work and this is where we learned it, but it has to do with the Snickers commercial. And it's there's several different commercials out there, right. but basically the person's grumpy, they're not acting like themselves, and they're presented a snicker bar going, You're not yourself. Maybe you should have a snicker bar. Right. So when we walk in with a snicker bar and we're presenting it the person, the spouse can know we're about to have a courageous conversation. Right. I'm about to fight for unity. So give me grace in case I do it wrong, but I want to have a conversation. So it, it operates as a visual tool that we're about to have a conversation and I'm going to do it. Now you can get the mini size right. snicker bars. For small offenses. Small offenses. You get the normal right. snicker bar or you can get the like Three, Giant. The three foot snicker bar. And there is one that is um, like maybe six foot. I don't, I think that may be a little too much. Yeah. If you're at that size snicker bar, you probably missed the small one somewhere along the way. So, correct. You know, First Peter 4 8 says, above all, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So, it's good to remind ourselves what love looks like. I love First Corinthians 13 that says that love is sympathetic, love is understanding, love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I, I really love how Paul David Tripp puts it in this book, Marriage, Six Gospel Commitments Every Couple Needs to Make. He says, you have married the person in process. Your husband or wife will fail in little ways every day. So it's important to recognize what is important and needs to be lovingly addressed and what is insignificant and needs to be lovingly overlooked. The unity of a marriage is not the result of absence of misunderstanding, but rather the unity of a marriage is formed as you work through inevitable misunderstandings with patience, kindness, and grace. That is a great quote to wrap up today's episode. Yeah, I think so. We hope this content has been helpful. We would love to hear from you. You can direct message us with your comments or questions on Instagram or Facebook at Art of Spousing. Thanks again for listening. If you found this episode helpful, we would really appreciate your help in getting the word out about the podcast. Please let your friends know about it by sharing it. We are also super appreciative of the reviews we've received. We would love it if you haven't to take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Hey, and on our next episode, we'll look at the last of the big three C's. We will talk about dealing with crisis or challenges that affect marriage relationships. Have a great week and we will see you the next time on Art of Spousing. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.